This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. I'm Julia Mocker. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. You may know the name William Canningeiser from the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. But did you know that he was in a rock band in high school? And the whole vibe of his new recording celebrating the British invasion is really something that comes pretty naturally to him. We'll find out more about that as we talk with him and a composer who's featured on this recording, Ian Krauss. It's this week's edition of New Classical Tracks from American Public Media, A British Invasion. I'm Julia Mocker. I want to start off, uh, William, by talking to you a little bit about the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. And, you know, last time you and I spoke, I think you were celebrating your 40th anniversary, and you're a founding member with this group. And I'm curious, uh, what led you to collaborate with the Alexander String Quartet? You know, the, the easy answer to that is simply that we share a manager. I've been friends with and working with Robert Besson for just about as long as the L.A. Guitar Quartet's been around. I first met him when we competed in the Concert Artist Guild competition in, in 86. And I actually won that competition in 87, so he was my manager through that. And um, I knew about the Alexander, but I'd never met them. This whole idea started with one of the pieces on this recording, the piece by Dushan Bogdanovich that is his setting of six songs by Sting. Dushan wrote me, he said, I've got this really cool piece for guitar and string quartet, and do you want to play it? And I thought, yes. And I called Robert and I said, do you think the Alexander might be interested in doing this? And it was, I, I like to call it, it was like a blind date, you know? And we met and we planned this whole recording and we really hit it off. And that that's pretty much how, how it, it all flowed. So, of course, I have to ask you, you know, it's called British Invasion. It has all these incredible artists from the world of rock and other places. Are you a huge fan of artists like Sting and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, Beatles, like when my daughter Camille was born, you know, like when she was growing up, that was one of my jobs as a father was to inculcate her with, you know, the entire canon of Beatles songs. So, you know, I, I have to admit, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely... Doug the Police, and I was into, you know, the hits of Led Zeppelin. Um, my particular drug of choice when it comes to r British rock was Yes. I was, like, super into Yes um, and and Genesis and Gentle Giant. But the, the thing is, when I was in high school, I was in a rock band called Euphoria, and we did all these covers. Um, I had really big hair. So the thing is, even though I'm, you know, a classical guitarist, I definitely have a background in rock, uh, a little bit in jazz, um, a little flamenco, uh, world music. And so this the whole vibe of this recording is something that, you know, really comes naturally to me. Almost a blast from your past, it sounds like. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
The recording opens up with a piece called Labyrinth, and it's based on a theme by what many would call the greatest rock band of all time, Led Zeppelin. However, this is not really an incredibly familiar theme for Zeppelin fans, or maybe if you're like a really hardcore Zeppelin fan, you know it. The composer of this piece, Ian Krauss, is here with us. So, Ian, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then tell us how this piece came to be. Sure. Um, Bill and I um, have many similarities. We, we have known each other for almost 50 years, and the first time we met, we just hit it off. I mean, there's something, we, we just got each other. And I think a lot of it has to do with our similar backgrounds. I am also a guitarist, although I stopped playing many, many years ago. And when I was growing up, I was very interested in rock music and the Beatles and the Stones, you know, and Jimi Hendrix and all that, and, and played in bands and, and, and learned how to do folk finger picking, which was kind of my gateway to classical music. Um, my parents um, were both classical music aficionados, so they, I was surrounded by classical music growing up. And there came a point, I, I think it was either the first time I heard Andre Segovia or maybe it was Narciso Yepes, because my mom had a recording of Narciso Yepes playing the Concierto de Aranjuez. And one day I heard that and it changed my life. I said, okay, I have to now, I have to do that, right? So I dropped everything and taught myself to play classical guitar, but I never ever lost my interest in rock music, okay? So cut to the future, 1994, something like that. I don't even remember how it started, but Bill and I were talking and, and the, idea, the idea of me writing a piece for the LAGQ based on a Led Zeppelin song just came, came into, the, into view, and we both thought, yeah, let's do this. And so I, I jumped right on it and wrote Labyrinth. So the original version was for four guitars. And I think we recorded it in 1995 or something like that, right? And it's a, it's a very cool piece in that version, but almost impossible to play live. You know, the LAGQ did a year of touring with it, but then they said, it's just too complicated. We have to have mics, we have to sing, we have to do all this stuff. And I, and I kind of got that. So it sort of lay dormant. Um, although I think it has many, many fans as a recording, you know, um, thanks to the internet. So a couple years ago, Bill called me and asked me if I would consider making a new version of Labyrinth for guitar and string quartet. And I think the words were hardly out of your mouth when I said, absolutely. Because I instantly got that, it would, it would totally work. And um, so I created this new version specifically for Bill and the Alexanders. And I think it came up really, really, really cool, you know. Um, I still like the guitar quartet version, by the way. I think they're very, they're very different. They have di very different values, but this one, is um it's very cool don't you think bill <laughs> well you know i've played both and recorded both now and i think like you said they both have their their different characteristics the the thing that was really challenging with the guitar quartet one was there's this cantus firmus that has to be sustained and ian the only way he could figure out for us to do that was to actually sing And, you know, I, I don't know about the other guys in the quartet. I got paid not to sing. So, you know, <laughs> you know, so it was difficult. But so with the strings, you know, holding this long cantus firmus, it works so beautifully.
the other thing I was able to do was, since I'm the only guitar voice here, I actually strung up a, a, a second guitar of mine with these specialized steel strings. Even though it's a classical guitar, I'm, I have steel strings on the trebles. And I'm playing with a pick and in this open rock tuning, and I actually get to do a bottleneck slide solo. And I, I think in a way, the guitar really cuts through the, the texture at, rather than having four you know, similar instruments. The part about the piece that everyone's going to gravitate to is just the opening is, is the Led Zeppelin tune. Great. But the depth of how much Ian takes from this piece, he, he writes a passacaglia in a Baroque form. There's a 12-tone fugue on the subject. piece that's the highest level I think of composition so on, on the face of it, it it's like oh this is a crossover pop tune but this is a serious amazing contemporary uh, composition I'm curious did you send it Thank off you, Bill. <laughs> did you send it off to Robert Plant has he heard it you know I have tried several times to do that in the last 20 years um, and I he may have heard it by now. I'd love to meet him at some point. Um, I, it's just a fantasy of mine. I'd love to meet you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Um, I've always been a big fan. But as far as I know, they, I don't know. They may have. They may. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wanted to uh, pick, pick up on something Bill said. Um, um, as, I, as, I, as I transitioned from being a pop musician to a classical musician, of course, I became, you know, schooled in the whole canon of classical music and all the wonderful things that have been done. And I I became frustrated with, with popular music because even though I love the, the sounds and the energy, oftentimes the forms are pretty simple and not very interesting. And I thought, you know, how interesting it would be to, to write in a, in a rock language, but open up all the available development possibilities and structural possibilities that you have in classical music. And that's basically what this piece is. It's a study in doing that. And not the only one. I mean, this was a first for me, but I've done this kind of thing many, many times since then. And I suppose we should tell people that you're a composer, a guitarist, as you said, who who isn't playing at the moment. But are you still a professor of composition at UCLA as well? I am. I've been there for 33 years, and I'm the co-chair of the composition division there. So, Let's talk about Prism, the six songs by Sting. Tell me a little bit about this composer as we, as we lean into these pieces. Well, I'm, I'm really so grateful that Ian is my dear friend for decades, and Dushan Bogdanovich has been my dear friend for decades. And Dushan... He was born in former Yugoslavia, Serbia, but he lived for many years in California. He's one of the most kind of brilliant and eclectic composers I've ever encountered. What I like to say about Dushan is, you know, he's 
He's written in almost every conceivable style, you know, jazz, Indian raga, 16th century polyphony, Serbian, Japanese, but it always sounds like Dushan. He has this amazing individual voice. One of the things that he loves to gravitate to is polymeter, polyrhythm, because of his Balkan background. And I've recorded a number of his solo works. I've also recorded pieces that he's written for my for LA Guitar Quartet. And I'm just a huge fan of Dushan. And as I mentioned at the on- outset, it was really the piece that he wrote sort of with Sting's blessing, these settings of six songs, that really was the impetus for this whole project because Dushan wrote me and said, I really want this piece to be performed. Would you consider it? And so the background of the commission was, um, if you recall, Sting did a project quite a few years ago where he approached the music of John Dowland. And uh, interestingly, Ian, his, his project was called Songs from the Labyrinth, you know, so it's just kind of funny. Uh, and he worked with a lutenist named Edin Karamazov, who is really good friends with Dushan. And Edin commissioned Dushan to write these these arrangements. And because Edin's really close with Sting, it was like this, you know, very close collaboration. But basically, uh, if you look on the score, it says it's by Sting slash Dushan Bogdanovich. Like they have equal writing credit. But what what Dushan did was he took, you know, these very recognizable tunes by Sting, you know, such as Every Breath You Take or Roxanne. And it's it sounds like Sting, but then at a certain point, it's Dushan now. <laughs> and he really did this amazing job of, you know, modifying, you know, adapting, but still holding it, the original together. And there's this beautiful letter that, that Sting wrote to Dushan uh, kind of saying, I, I, I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, you took the broken fragments of my songs and you turned them into a flight of nightingales or, or something like that, you know, like, so Sting, you know, really loves this, this arrangement. He was actually present when Eden premiered it in Europe. And so that's, that's the story behind it. And I think we have a pretty good chance of Sting getting a copy of this CD today because uh, a, a friend of mine is uh, really good buddies with his manager and he's going to see him in Vegas tonight. So um, he's going to pass along, you know, a little a little souvenir to Sting. It's, we'll see if we hear back from him. Of these six songs, is there a performance that you're especially proud of that you'd like to highlight? You know, the whole thing is challenging for all of us. Um, the, his setting of Roxanne. Ends with this completely insane, like, bebop on acid <laughs> trip. That, that section uh, really challenged me. But I think my favorite is of the set is this very delicate and gentle movement where he, he set a song called Shape of My Heart as a duet with guitar and cello. 
And it's a very plaintive, almost jazz-like ballad. It doesn't sound very much at all like, like Sting's original, but it's just a really gorgeous piece. And I, 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 that's, I think that's one of my favorites of the set, but they're all really fun and they're all over the map. I thought it was also interesting that every breath you take starts off kind of like a Bach cello suite. You want to talk a little bit about that? That was that was the thing that Sting really seized on, you know, for, with Dushan. He loved that because I, I don't know if you know this, but Sting is a real fan of classical guitar, and Sting has a little Martin classical guitar. And I, I met him years ago, and and he said every morning he plays Bach on his classical guitar. He's a real fan of classical guitar and of Bach. So he loved that fact that Dushan took the opening lick, Andy Summers, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, you know, of, of Every Breath You Take and turned it into the first cello suite of Bach. But also changed the time signature, you know, he had to to p put it in 7-8 instead of 4-4 because Dushan just, that's, you know, he's Mr. Odd Meter, you know, or, or yeah, asymmetrical meter. But um, it's very clever how, how he did that. So Sting had an association with John Dowlin putting out a recording of some of those tunes. So I suppose it makes sense that John Dowlin is on this recording as well, the master of the Elizabethan lute. Why was it important to have him represented on this recording beyond that? I could let Ian address the piece in particular, but one of the reasons he's on there, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of John Dowlin, and... I, I try to make the point in the in the program notes that he was like a rock star in the Elizabethan age. Like he was this virtuoso lutenist. He toured all over. His compositions were celebrated. So he was kind of like you know the the Jimmy Page of the Elizabethan era, if you if you want to think of it. But the other reason was kind of practical, which was that I knew that that Ian had written this spectacular piece called Music in Four Sharps based on this song by John Dallin called Frog Galliard. And I thought that would be a wonderful piece to put on this record, also because of the stylistic difference that it, that it uh, proposes. You know, and it really juxtaposes Ian's incredible eclecticism to go from, from Dallin to Led Zeppelin. Um, I'll let Ian address the piece, but he originally wrote it for two guitars. Then he wrote it, rearranged it for guitar and string quartet. And then at our behest, he arranged that piece for four guitars. So there's a lot of, of cross-pollination going on here. And, and LAGQ recorded that piece, Music in Four Sharps, on our recording New Renaissance about seven years ago. So I'll let Ian, you know, go forward about, you know, the frog galliard maybe. 
You know, um, I don't want to go into the weeds too much on this. I'm a composer and I can easily do that. But um, the original version, as Bill said, was for two guitars. It was for Julian Gray and Ron Pearl, who were just amazing players back in the late 80s and early 90s. And um, somehow I hit upon this idea of, of writing a piece where both guitar parts would be identical, but, but offset in time. And so that's how the original version works. It's like it's like a canon between guitar one and guitar two. You could literally have the two players practice their parts in unison, right? So that's how the piece kind of started. That's just a composerly conceit that I wanted to try. And the other thing that I was interested in in those days was taking somebody else's music and deconstructing it, right? Um, we call that derivative composition sometimes. Um, and the basic idea is to take notes out of the original, and then what you have left is something that you've you've created, but you've found it in, in the original piece. And so the work starts with deconstructed Dowland. And as it goes over the first four or five minutes, I gradually add more of the notes back until three or four minutes in, you actually hear the original song as it originally existed. And then I continue that process um, and, and deconstruct it again. And then when I was writing the piece, I suddenly got into this groove um, in four sharps, I like this minimalist kind of folky sort of thing. And I just wrote it out for the next five or six minutes. And then at the very end of the piece, um, after a huge climax, um, the Dowlin Deconstructed comes back again. So that was something else I was very interested in. And the other thing, and you'll hear this in both of my works, um, I'm very interested as a composer in long line music. Okay, I've always enjoyed the thrill of music that picks you up and takes you somewhere else over a period of many minutes, often with 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 a, with a really passionate sort of um, you know cathartic climax, right? And you don't usually get that with guitar music. I mean, guitar is usually more intimate. The pieces are smaller. You know, it doesn't have a big dynamic range, right? It's harder to get that that kind of um, um, arc with with just guitar. But in both of these pieces. That was kind of my goal, was to really unleash a lot of energy and a lot of passion and have the guitar sort of ride and over the top of it all. The Beatles close out this British Invasion recording, and it's a set of pieces created by Cuban-born guitarist Leo Brower. Can somebody tell me why the Beatles were so significant to him? Because it's a fascinating story. You know, um, Leo is now, I think, 
acknowledged as the most important living guitar composer. I think he very recently turned 80 and he ha he has written volumes of of guitar works as as well as, you know, film scores and and string quartets and symphonies and, you know, and he's hugely celebrated. What not that many people know is when he was quite young, he, he lived in, in the States for a while and he studied uh, at the Hart School of Music in, in, in Connecticut. And he fell in love with the Beatles early on. And the story that I, that I heard was that when he was very young, uh, living in Havana, it was sort of very much frowned upon by the, you know, the government there to, to embrace any Western music at all. So it was kind of like forbidden to listen to the Beatles. And so he's like very surreptitiously like fell in love with them. It was, you know, this inside thing, you know, I think he took that real fascination with their music and then ended up arranging quite a few of their uh, Lennon McCartney hits first for two guitars. And then he reframed them for solo guitar and string quartet or chamber orchestra. I ended up choosing four of his settings. He, he's done quite a few of them. And these are all tunes that, you know, we all know, but similar to Dusan Bogdanovich, you definitely hear Leo Brower in, in all of these settings. For instance, um, she's leaving home. He, be, he begins with this beautiful sort of arcing, like rocking sort of canonic introduction. this very aggressive string uh, introduction that he puts in. And, and he, he infuses like some little Afro-Cuban elements into it here and there. I, I would think of all of the arrangements on this recording these are the most sort of like identifiable like oh okay that's that's yesterday <laughs> like okay i got it you know and these were created quite a, quite a long time ago so these these have been covered quite a bit by a lot of my colleagues but i just thought they were so amenable to this project and i i think they they serve a really nice function of you know you know extremely approachable music that that people know and love but i i think it also gives a couple of moments for the string quartet to really show their chops as you know just like a just a wonderful expressive group with a you know beautiful sound like in yesterday sound drop dead gorgeous and yeah it was fun to put these pieces in you know that's one thing i didn't ask you bill what was it like working with the alexander string quartet because this was your first collaboration right yeah well it it actually had two iterations because we first started this in 2019 
And at that time, they had their previous violist, Paul, and we were set to do the premiere of this program on March 7th, 2020. We were in San Francisco, and we had just played a warm-up concert at, of all places, a senior center in San Francisco. And uh, Sandy Walsh-Wilson, the cellist, got a text from the, from the presenter saying, uh, the mayor just closed <laughs> all the public halls in San Francisco. Concert's canceled. And, <laughs> and it wasn't until July 2021 that we actually did the concert. In the interim, they uh, Paul retired and they had a new violist join the group, uh, David Samuel. So it sort of changed a little bit. And I, I, I believe in serendipity. I think that having the, the time for the pieces to kind of gestate for us, and, and David is a little younger guy, you know, and, and a little more up on, you know, rock and roll. And so uh, I think that the waiting was actually a good thing. But it was super fun to work with them. They're, you know, they, they've been together almost exactly as long as L.A. Guitar Quartet has been together. Um, they've had more changes in personnel than we have over the years. We've, we've only had, you know, four changes. But the, their working relationship, you know, I, I totally identify with it. Like, they're, they're buddies. They, they, you know, joke with each other, but they also like nag each other like brothers, you know, like we, we, we do that in the LAGQ. Um, they all have their, their very unique personalities. I really resonated with Sandy, with the, the cellist, because I, I feel like my role in LAGQ is kind of like his role in this group. It's kind of like, like holding everybody together and taking everyone to task, <laughs> right? And then there's, you know, other ones who are a little more spaced out or, or, you know, but they're, they're a wonderful group. And, you know, you know, in talking with, with Zach, especially the first violinist, he's the most like adventurous, I think, of the group. And he loved doing, you know, being able to stretch their, you know, stretch their wings, you know, spread their wings because they're masters of the traditional canon, you know, like they're, you know, Brahms, Beethoven, Bartok, you know, Schubert, you know, the, that's that's what they do. But he said, but we've never played Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you know. And uh, so it stretched them a lot, um, just as it stretched me. And I think they, they really enjoyed the challenge and we've really hit it off. <clears throat> I have to say something that Bill will not say. <clears throat> um, during this, during the recording sessions, I was I was the executive producer of these sessions, so I was there for every every note and every track. And I came to, I've always admired Bill's playing, but I think this recording showcases him in a way that none of his previous recordings really have. I don't know of any classical guitar recording like this in terms of the range of expressions and styles and techniques. I mean, as I, I began to think of Bill as the wizard. I think this is truly an example of, of guitar wizardry at its, at its finest. I mean, he's just everywhere you can beat with the guitar. And um, I mean, I, I may be wrong, Bill, because you know the you know, guitar recordings better than I do. I don't know of any recording that ranges this far. And I, I just think it's, it's spectacular. I think people are really gonna dig, you know, dig it. So, um, you know. Well, thank you. It's it's all because of your incredible <laughs> editing chops that no, I sound no. so good. It was... <laughs> <laughs>
It was wonderful for me to get to do this project with Ian because, you know, I, when I showed up as a, as a snot-nosed freshman at USC in 1977, Ian was there and he was this amazing player, this amazing, you know, artist. And I, he was like, you know, kind of a hero to me way back when. And we've had this long friendship and long musical collaboration. Like we've, you know, I've commissioned two solo works from him. I've premiered, you know, four or five different guitar quartet pieces. I've coached on uh, some of his voice and, and solo guitar, beautiful Viancicos. And so I've known him for so long, but as happens when we're both busy, I'm teaching at USC and he's teaching at UCLA and those are rival schools. But anyway, um, go Bruins. <laughs> yeah, go Bruins. Right. Uh, we, we haven't had that much time to hang out and we had gobs of time sitting in the studio waiting for the engineer to like boot up things. And so we, I feel like we've really reconnected and together, you know, I, I, I put a lot of time and energy into this project, but so did he. So it feels like the two of us really birthed something, you know, that's really meaningful to us. The sessions were a lot of fun. Um, Bill is a very, very humorous person. <laughs> when you get him going, uh, he does impressions and all kinds of things. And we had a lot, of, a lot of fun, but we got some work done at the same time. You know what I'd like to, for me, the takeaway from this project, in addition to everything Bill has said, which I totally agree with, is the beauty of this ensemble. <clears throat> I mean, it even has a name. It's called Guitar Quintet. Yeah, uh, guitar and, and, and string quartet. Historically, Baccarini wrote some of them, you know, in the Baroque era, which are very nice pieces. But it has, it's not a, it's not a medium that's been explored all that much. There's a beautiful piece by Castelnuovo Tedesco, which maybe Bill will record within a few, on a future CD with the Alexanders. But I think this CD really makes a case for this ensemble, right? It's really beautiful. Um, and there's things you can do with it that a string quartet can't do by itself and a guitar solo can't do by itself. You put it together and you, it, there's a chemistry, a sonic chemistry that really is, I think, don't you think, Bill, really gorgeous, yeah. you know? Invasion. It's a new recording with Bill Kanengeiser and the Alexander String Quartet. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of New Classical Tracks, from listener-supported American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. <laughs> <laughs>